guys can please bring it in. We're going to get ready to worship the Lord Jesus this Sunday morning. Thank God for, for this day, amen. Test one, two, one, two. God's love endures forever, every single moment, every day. If you guys can please stand up, we're going to get ready for worship. I got my brother here, Adam, Anthony, ready to share his testimony, one of our two-on-one discipleship. He's in discipleship leadership class. There you go. He's Here he is. Uh, if those can bring it in, we got some NTCs here. Come on, bring it in, everybody. All right, here we go, brother. Hi, so, hi. Um... So yeah, uh, my, my my name is Adam. I'm in Bible College. I'm a, a youth pastor. And um, Sunday, past sun, Sunday, if you guys were here, you saw them pray for me. I, I was with the students. But um, but but what you guys don't know is that that day was so special to, to, to me. It was it was so it was so amazing to me because I wasn't supposed to 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 to, to, to I was supposed to be back. I wasn't supposed to be back in that UM. And um. The reason being, because last year I I did bad. The, the enemy came at me, and um I, I failed on my on my GPA went low, and I was gonna be out. But um yeah, and then that night my pastor Nancy, Pastor Nancy, she told me that day that I, I, I couldn't go back be because my grades were low, and then um I just remembered I, I got back home and I just the first thing I did was go lay down. I remember I cried and I cried and I cried. I was like, God, if I can't go back to him, um, just, 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 just let me go to sleep and not wake up because my calling is all I have. I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to preach. I'm called to, to, to do this. If I can't do it, then my life is meaningless. So, like, so I remember in a, I cried and I went to sleep. I fell out. And that, that, that morning I woke up. I was like, dang. <laughs> but my nah, man, it's awesome because like um, three weeks after that, Nancy called me, and um, and I remember she she told me about about one percent my GPA went up, and so I was allowed to go back. And, and like you know, it was so amazing because it was about one percent. It was it, it, it wasn't about like a big move like you would expect. It was about one percent. I was able to go back, and um, I just remember I felt so awesome, you know. And before that, like the enemy was telling me lie, like you can't do it, you failed, but you know, God showed up, and I'm back. And um, yeah. And you, hey, you know, I, I just want to say I know I'm not the only one that's in those kind of predicaments. If you can't, if if you if you can't do something, don't all believe you can't. Because you can, because God gave you the power to do it. Amen. So I'm going to share this scripture on uh, Philippians 1:6. It says, um, "Being, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry, carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus." And, and you know what? I, I believe that it is real in my life now. I see it in my, I see it in my life. I see it in, in this um church. And you know, yeah. I, I, I fully believe that God's alive and he moves in service. So let's just pray. Lord God, I come to you, Lord God. I lift up this service, Lord God. I lift up the people that's, that's here, Lord. Lord God, I just pray for your spirit to move in this service. She cut it, I saw, Lord God. I pray for your fire to fall down, Lord God, because you're alive, Lord God. She cut it, I say, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you.
thank you, Lord God. We pray you move in power this morning, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. We lift you up. Come on, just lift your hands right now. And just thank the Lord. Come on, that he's working in people's lives. Come on, just thank God that he's alive and he's on your side. He's for you. Could we live like your grace is stronger than all our faults and failures? Could we live like your love is deeper than our hearts can fathom? Could we live like this? Come on, sing it out. Could we live like your name is higher than every other power could we live like your ways are wiser than our understanding or can we live like this oh sing it out can we live like this Yes, our God is all He says, and all He says He is. Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. We stand in Your love, in Your power, and all You say we are. Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. We believe that Your grace. Stronger, so much stronger, Lord, than all our faults and failures. We believe that your love is deeper than our hearts can fathom. Can we live like this? We're shining all the world. Can we live like this? Our God is all He says, and all He says He is. Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. We stand, so we stand in Your love, and in Your power, and all You say we are. Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. We believe, we believe, oh, Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. What else could we say? What else could we say? We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We're going all the way. We're going all the way. We're going to live like this, yes. Our God is going to be singing. All He says He is. Oh yes, our God is. All He says. All He says He is. Yes, our God is. All He says. All He says He is. Jesus, in Your name, we could change the world. Sing it. So we stand in Your love, in Your power. All you say we are Jesus in your name we could change the world 
God good in this place. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, my God is good. Come on, look to your other neighbor and tell them, my God is good. Amen, we believe it. You know, when we sing these songs, you know, we believe and we declare it, and sometimes it's a great way to just reflect on who God is and, you know, who we are, you know, what we're supposed to do, you know. He's God, amen, and Man, with this last song, you know, it talked about, yes, our God is all he says and all he says he is. <laughs> the Bible also says that God is not a man that he shall lie. Come on, so that should let you trust God. That should let you put down all your, your guards right now. That should get rid of all your excuses and say, I can because he can. Oh, when Jesus went up on that cross, he died and when he rose again, Come on, he defeated everything. He got rid of every excuse, every person in this place. Come on, with your guard down and with your heart in his hands. God, we give you this time. We trust you, Lord. We believe you are who you say you are. God, we believe it in this place. Come on, right now, if you're struggling with just trusting God and and in this service, man, you're just maybe on your toes. Like, man, I just don't know. And I got all these things right now. We're coming to you, God. Come on, we just come to you right now, Lord. And we pray for every person. Come on, if that's you, just lift your hands. There's no shame in this place. God, we come to you. We want to trust you. God, we want to give you everything in our lives. Trust you, Lord. Before creation, when it's in your hand, when you spoke, you spoke the earth into motion, my soul not to stand. When you stood before my failure. You stood before my faith and carried the cross from my sin. My sin, my sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul not to stand. So what could I say? What could I do? Could offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. Sing so I walk. So I walk upon salvation, 
everybody in this place that when the band's playing and they're just music and the and the vocalists the singers aren't saying anything that's because we want you to fill up this time with your praise with words from your heart come let God hear from your heart amen come on tell them right now come fill this place with your praise come on I encourage you to speak it out loud, to speak it out, be bold, come on, put it out there, God, you're so wonderful, so awesome, Lord, oh, there's none like you, the way you come through time and time again, the way you forgive me of my sin, oh, you make me holy, Lord, come on and tell him, fill this place with your praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Fill it with your praise. Point to you, Lord. Come on, if you're filled with the Spirit, come on. Start praising in the Spirit. Start praying in the Spirit. Oh, I'm a saint of Holy Spirit, we desire you. We desire you, Lord. We desire you to move. We desire you, Lord. Come and speak to your people. Come and speak to your people. Oh, Holy Spirit. Spirit, speak. 
listening, Lord. I'm going to speak. Speak to us, You have been set free from the old slave master named Sin. Come on, let's respond to that word. Come on, if you need to be set free from sin, your shame, your guilt, come on, just lift your hands right now wherever you're at in this place. He's faithful to forgive you of your sin. He's not mad at you. He just wants you to come to him. Come on, let's respond to that word right now. Come on, God. Lord, we turn to you, every person here, Lord grace and mercy is yours forgiveness is yours it's yours come on receive it in this place come on receive in this place of the goodness of the Lord
thank you, Jesus, that you're always willing to fill hungry hearts. Nobody here has to go dry. Nobody here has to, to leave without a touch from heaven. Lord, you're always willing. You're always willing, God, because it doesn't depend on us. And what we do, it depends on you and your unfailing love. And we thank you for it. I just pray, God, that we all encounter your presence today, Lord, throughout this service. In the good name of Jesus. And everybody said. I'd like everybody to uh, find a seat. We're going to take our communion, as is our custom for the first uh, Sunday of the month. And as we do so, I just want to share with you a quick message about communion, a quick teaching. If you're not familiar, maybe, who here has taken communion before? Who here has taken communion and maybe not know why you're taking communion? Like just a little num-nums, a little drinky drink, and I'm on my way. I feel religious. I feel good, and I can go about my week. I just want to give you some depth as the ushers are passing out the elements of communion, the cup and the wafer. Uh, I want to give you some depth as you take communion, some understanding to help you take it the right way. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. This is the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is very well known th uh, throughout all our culture. Luke 22, verses 19 to 20. And he, Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. If I had to give a title to this message, I would call it the blood of the covenant. Amen? The blood of the covenant. Tell your neighbor. The blood of the covenant. Yes. That is a very deep term. We'll unpack it quickly. Jesus spoke of a covenant. We have our Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, right? And testament is another word for covenant. So you could think the Old Covenant, New Covenant. And covenant's like a word for contract or an agreement between two parties. You see, God made you, and God wants you to know him. God wants everybody to know him, who he is, and what he's like. And so he's given the world covenants, and there are these agreements so that so that we can know what God expects from us, but also that we can know what we can expect from God. Amen? So he's given us a covenant, and there's the party, there's God, and then there's the human race. There's God, there's Israel, there's God, and there's so-and-so. These two parties. And I just want to unpack this covenant, which was poured out with Jesus' blood. On God's side of it, and I've said this before, that when God saves a person, he just doesn't stamp a ticket to heaven. He goes overboard when he saves God's side of the agreement what God agrees to do is not just to 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 forgive your sins that's called justification he forgives your sins your your slate is wiped clean in that sense if you had a criminal record it's it's gone when he justifies you he forgives you but what's more it's not that you're just a forgiven sinner you're like the same old sinner miserable sinner but you know, you're just forgiven now. Or worse yet, you're a forgiven sinner, but you're still sinning. What he does next after he justifies you is he sanctifies you. He makes you holy. 
He changes who you are on the inside. You used to be a lover of sin, but God's agreement, his side of the deal is that he will change you and he will make you a a lover of God. From a friend of the world to a friend of God. From a child of the devil to a child of God. He changes who you are. He justifies you. He sanctifies you. And then he glorifies you. And the promise is that when we see Jesus, we will be as he is. Our destiny is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus in glorified bodies forever. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Anybody who's been walking with the Lord any amount of time knows the joy, knows the peace, knows the purpose. And all of these fringe benefits of being a child of God. He's so good to us. That's his end of the agreement. What's our end of the agreement? Trust and obey. Trust and obey Jesus. And he said, you know how you can trust it? Because of the blood. This is the blood of the covenant. God didn't give this covenant carelessly or thoughtlessly. God planned the crucifixion of Christ from the beginning of time. And when it was executed, when Christ was executed on the cross, when his blood was shed for our sins, you have a guarantee that God will uphold his end of the covenant. It says in another place in scripture that if God did not uh, spare his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, will he not along with him give us all other things? Did you catch that? If he gave up Jesus for us, what else is he going to hold back? He's not going to hold back any good thing from us. But what's our end of the agreement? Trust and obey. Trust and obey Jesus. Put your whole faith in him. Stake your whole life on him and his teachings and his word and obey him fully through repentance, through a change of life and you receive the benefits of this covenant. If someone could bring me a cup, everybody have your cup in front of you. Let's get ready to um, partake communion together. As you do so, just whether you're with your family or somebody you came with or you're on your own, I want you to do that between you and the Lord. Make your covenant, make it personal. Amen? Make your covenant with God today as you take this cup. He will do everything he said he would do. You trust and obey him. Make it personal. Amen. Darkness seems 
to hide his face. If you've taken your cup, you can stand and worship. I rest on his unchanging rays. And every high and stormy gale. And if this is your first time trusting in Jesus and committing to obey him, this is your first time. God's going to take you for a ride of your life. Stand and bless him. Stand and bless this God. sing when he shall come when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found dress dress in his righteousness alone when he shall come, when he shall come, this is our hope. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Let's be said before. Christ alone, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak makes wrong, in the Savior's blood, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all, Christ else in this world we can look to. There's nothing else that's going to give us a new life. There's nothing in us that's going to for forgive our sins, Lord. There's nowhere else we can turn, God. Jesus, you are the only one. There is no other name by which we are saved. You are the way and the truth and the life, Jesus. You are the only way to the Father. If anyone has seen you, Jesus, they have seen the Father. And you said you would manifest yourself to us. Glory to God. We love you. We love you. We thank you, God, for keeping your end of the covenant. And Lord, we trust, we, we, we just say here, everyone pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my family, with my future, with everything. And Jesus, I want to obey you in small things, 
and big things in all things for your glory. Amen. Give it up for Amen. While we're uh, standing, can I ask all the children, we have a lot here that are in school, come on forward, young people, and any other college students that may be here today that are starting school, uh, Seth, would you move this out the way? We prayed for SUM students yesterday, now we're going to pray for elementary, high school, college, even if you're an adult going back to school, come on, come on, youngins, let's give it up for these youngins as they come, and the biggins, and the biggins, I'm going to walk you over here. Come on, you stand here. There you go. Now stand shoulder to shoulder. Come on. Come on. Don't bunch up. Don't be scared. You look so nice. That's awesome. Hey, man, isn't it great to see all these students, young and old, college students? Come on. Amen, amen. Elementary. Hey, man, come on. Make room. Make room. We got plenty of room up here. Come on up. Hey, man, look at all these college students. I see adults going back to school. My brother Tony right here, what is it, physical therapy? Amen. Amen. And Mark, what are you going for? Uh, Harold Washington? And what's the major going to be? Do you know yet? Business. Let's give it up for my big man Mark. Going to handle business, baby. Come on, high school students. We got like a big like open circle here. And thank God this is not like stage diving because nobody would catch me right here. Come on, Jonathan. You're like standing. Come on right here. Amen. Jaylene, come on up. Come on up. And everybody just face me here. I just want to look at the students and the children. We love you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves you. <laughs> no, Jesus loves you guys. Live for Jesus. Make Jesus your best friend every day. And whenever you hang out with people, make sure that they love Jesus too. And if they don't love Jesus, you just let them know. That Jesus is always going to be your BFF, okay? So if they ever want to see a movie that Jesus don't want to see, you just got to tell them, my BFF don't want to go to that. Anytime they want you to listen to music that Jesus don't want you to listen to, just be like, listen, my best friend don't like that, okay? And then for everybody here, just live for God. I know we got my man from North Park. God bless you. Come on. I do, baby. You're special. I got a picture of you in my room, a big heart around it. Some people, uh, what's your school? Awesome. And what's yours? Stillman Wesleyan. Took a minute. That's okay. Little stage fright. All over the country. Some in, in the city, some outside the city, going to college, right? And college students, let me just talk to you for a minute, even if you've been in college before. Here's the thing. What they have to teach you about science, arithmetic, business, you know, take it all in. Learn. You know, this is good. That kind of stuff can be proven. But when they want to get into philosophical questions, you know, about who is God or what is right and wrong, you know, all they have now is opinions. And remember, everybody has an opinion. They're like armpits, and they generally what? Stink, right? They stink. So even when they talk about evolution and things like that, or when they tell you that, you know, that morality is just, you know, it's, it's fluid, it changes from culture to generation, don't believe that. Tell them that you have a standard called the Word of God that you base your foundation on. And schools like Harvard, Princeton, and Yale used to base their studies on those things. So you can just ask me, you ever heard of Harvard? I'm like those guys. You ever heard of Princeton, Yale? I'm like those guys. Who believe in truth, veritas, Latin, the, the, the slogan for Harvard was veritas, truth, truth for all people, and truth is in Christ, amen? So college students and high school students, remember, you have the truth, don't be shaken by what they say, but receive what they have, and here's a word for everybody here, you remember Daniel, and what happened to Daniel, you remember he got thrown into, y'all children, where did he get thrown into, what? 
the lion's den. And do you want to know why Daniel got thrown into the lion's den? It's because he was praying to his God. And they kept telling him to stop in Babylon. They said, you stop praying to your God. And he said, no, I will pray to my God. They said, we'll throw you in a lion's den. They said, I'm going to still pray. On the way to the lion's den, they said to him, what are you going to do now? He said, I got one or two things. I'm either going to die and see my God, or my God's going to deliver me. Either way, I'm still serving God. It don't matter. Put me in there. It don't matter. And the beautiful story about Daniel in the lion's den is that God closed the mouth of the lions and allowed Daniel to live. And so often God will deliver us. But even if we suffer for the name of Christ, it's okay because the Bible says he's got our back. Amen? So if they make fun of you, they don't like you, just say, I'm serving Jesus. If they call you a fool, say, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Right? Okay? Amen, students? Praise God. Let's just all stretch our hands towards these awesome students today. Father, we thank you for the education, academics. We ask you to bless everyone, young and old, male and female, God. From elementary school to college, God, to post-grad, we pray that whatever they put their hands to do this year, you will bless them, you will encourage them, that they will find in you truth as they study what man is teaching them, because every good and perfect gift comes from you. So I pray that all the truth they get points to you, and whatever is air, whatever is man's opinion, they'll push to the side. Father God, and I pray you'll bless them and all their dreams, all these young people's dreams, all the dreams for the families that are here, the older people. God, let their dreams and destinies come true in you. You make us happy, not money, Father. And when we follow you, money and blessings will come. So let us trust you and put you first and seek your kingdom and everything else will be added unto us. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Come on, let's bless the Lord for these students. Come on, students, slap somebody high five and say, Jesus, going to school with you. Come on, Jesus going to school with you. Tickle, tickle. Tickle, tickle. Come on. <laughs> She's like, who you tickling? Amen. You all may be seated. Elementary, you guys may uh, go back into the back. Amen. If you guys are a little hot, find a place next to a fan. It is packed out in here. We missed the storm, man. I was in Indiana, but I heard that storm was hard, man. Anybody get affected by that? Trees went down. Electricity went out. Wowzers. Jared's going to come back up and do our confession of faith with you, and then we're going to put on some party music and hang out for a little bit. Will we give it up for Pastor Jared one more time? Isn't God good? Thank you, Jesus. Um, before we move forward, this is what we always do, uh, our confession of faith. It simply reflects, uh, as, as a church, as people who believe in the Word of God and stand on the Word of God, these are the basic beliefs, and everything else comes from that. That's our worldview, and that's something Pastor Joe was alert, alluding to, that in college they're going to give you another worldview that's contrary to this, so we stand on this. Amen? So uh, if we could just stand up, and we have ushers who will give you this in a paper form you could take it with you study it on your own and you just raise your hand if you'd like one and they'll bring you one all right well those get out just take one more second all right on the count of three let's say this together our confession of faith one two three i believe in one god and creator who is the father son and the holy spirit the Father who so loved the world 
the Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Your assignment. Three, three people you haven't met yet, tell them you love them. Three people.
Lord. Look to your neighbor and say, it's so good to see you this morning. How many of you guys excited that school is starting? Come on. It's an exciting time. I feel, you know, September 1st, I feel like the summer is officially over. The weather is not kind of participating, but our summer is over and we're going into this new season. It's always good to go into a new season. How many of you guys agree with me? Especially the fall. Fall is my favorite. So it's exciting to go to a new season with all of our families. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And it's wonderful, wonderful to see all of you with us this morning, praising and worshiping our Lord. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And every Friday, our youth group meets. Elevate! They get together every week, Fridays at 7 p.m. So if you know any teenagers, bring them on by, invite them. They're blowing it up for Jesus, preaching at the high schools, and just going after God. Amen? Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. We strive to do that with all of our heart. And if there's any visitors here, we just want to show you some love. So if this is your first time here, if you could just simply wave your hand. Let's give it up for all the visitors. Welcome again to Metro Praise. If you did not receive this brochure, our elders, are, our ushers will get one to you. If you could just fill out the bottom and put it in the drop box. We'd love to connect with you throughout the week. God bless you. And uh, moving right along, our discipleship strategy is threefold. I know you guys hear it every week, but we want you guys to just soak this in. This is what Metro Praise is about. We want to connect, mentor, and send. And the way we connect people to the cross in our church is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. And all of our information is on this handout. If you have not received information about our life group or you don't know where they are, or what they're about, read all the, the locations here and the kind of life group. Find one to belong to. You don't need to go to all of them. Find one and faithfully commit to that. Amen? And then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201. Our 101 book is simply welcome to your new life. And we have leaders in place ready to take this uh, on with you just every week every other week depending on your schedule and then our 201 book is our class that we go through disciples that make disciples and this is our leadership training class and then we graduate you to be an elder deacon everybody say every believer be a leader praise God and then we're gonna send you out to evangelize whether it's on the streets in our high schools outreaches obviously we want everybody to be evangelizing on their jobs and their communities we want every believer here every disciple to be sent out to evangelize to tell people about jesus because the bible says that he who wins souls is wise amen and then our goal is to have 50 churches in chicago with 100,000 disciples and then 500 churches around the world if you believe we can do that say amen look to your neighbor and say we can do it praise god at this time, if you could turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 through 2. We're going to prepare to give our tithe and offerings this morning. God has been good to us. He's been faithful to us. And we show him our honor with our finances by being faithful to the tithe and the offering. And we believe here at Metro Praise that the Bible teaches that the tithe is 10% of your total income. And anything above that is an offering to the Lord which we simply designate towards building fund and towards missions. We're very passionate about missions. We want the whole world to know that Jesus is alive and he can change their life. Amen? If you're with me in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2, say, I'm there. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. 
On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So here is the Apostle Paul teaching his church, the church in Corinthians. He's telling them, do what I told the other church to do, the church in Galatia. Save up a, a sum of money, keeping with your income. And that sum of money, we believe, is the tithe. It's that 10% of your total income. And Paul is encouraging the church to save it up so that on the first day of every week when you save it up, that when I come, no collections will have to be made. How many of you believe that that's the Bible? Say amen. amen. So it is very plain in Scripture that we are to give our tithe and offering. Paul encouraged his church to do it. We encourage you to do it. God receives our... God is worthy of our best. He receives all that we have to give to him. And he promises that when we put him first, he will take care of us. When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. So we don't have to worry and say, well, you know, if I give my 10% this time with this paycheck, I won't be able to pay this bill. Put God first and watch the miracles that God does in your life. Amen. Stand up to your feet with me this morning. We believe that God deserves our best. And we want to thank all the tithers and givers in this place. We thank you for your faithfulness to God so that we can do what God has called us to do in this city, to reach the lost and to make disciples. Repeat this with me, please. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, God, that you are alive. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you, that God, that you take care of our needs. I pray that you bless and prosper your people. As we put you first, God, in every area of our life, including our finances, do something in us that we could never ask or imagine. I pray, Lord, that you would provide em uh, employment, that you would give raises and promotion to your people, that they would be favored, God, among everybody else that they work with. God, I just pray for this uh, tithe and offering as it comes forth, that it will be a sweet aroma to you, Lord, and that you would meet our budget this month at Metro Praise, that we will do all that we've uh, that you've called us to do faithfully unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a hallelujah? Woo! Praise him, somebody. Amen. Welcome to a church where we praise his name. We live up to the name Metro Praise. Amen. Did you just have a baby? Two babies? Come on, let's give it up for our sisters having two babies. What are their names? Andrew and Ashton. Andrew and Ashley? Ashton. Ashton. So two boys and a twins. 
Woo, praise God. Come on, somebody. Amen. We want to bless them. Let us know when we're going to dedicate them. Okay, praise God. Man, God is just doing great things. I can see he's doing good things in your life. And I want to thank you. Last week was so powerful for staying after service as we washed each other's feet. Was anybody blessed by last week? Amen. May we never forget that moving forward, that we are servants. And it ties right into this new sermon series that we have going on this month. Everybody say, preach. Amen. This entire sermon series this month is about preaching the gospel. I want to own Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. So hashtag preach all over Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter this month. Whenever you preach, share a scripture. Whenever you go out witnessing, take a selfie with you and the person you're witnessing to. Tag in preach. Because I believe this month we need to take a, a hold of the harvest season that's coming out. You know, in the natural, they're going to get ready to harvest. And that's what I celebrate, you know, Thanksgiving during that time is harvest. So now until then, the, the fruit's going to get reaped in uh, the farms. And I just went to go visit my mom's house in Indiana where the Amish are literally just the next block over and man I could smell that it was getting time to harvest because they were bringing out the manure to put over the ground that they had harvested to keep it good for the winter so we got to get ready for harvest this year people are going to be at the parks people are going to be asking you what's going on in your life the end times has anybody been keeping up with the Syria thing going on right now man we may be going to war with Syria this is in the Bible Damascus look it up I don't have time to get into it now but the Bible simply says it like this the Middle East will be the attention spot for the world until Jesus comes back. So think about how everything in the news is always the Middle East, and it's not just Israel. It involves Egypt. See, these places go back to biblical times, y'all, and Syria goes back to biblical times. So we've got to understand, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, know that these are the beginning of birth pains. Can I just show it to you real quick? Open up your Bible real quick to Matthew 24. I'm going to show you some end times. Somebody say, preach. Amen. Hey, I'm going to preach before. Before I preach, amen. This is not even in the notes. This is free. Hallelujah. Praise God. I got you all looking at me going, man, that's right, Pastor. Tell us. So I just got to get you the scripture so you can share it with your friends when they start asking you, man, what's going on? Are these the end times? Yes, indeed. Look at it. Matthew chapter 24 and look at verse. Somebody shout it out when you get there before me. Jared, Pastor Jared. Which one? Man, I'm preaching faster than I can look up the Bible, man. I can't even find it. Where is it? Verse 6. Thank you, sir. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. See, even pastors don't know all the Bible. Amen. That's why i got to read the Bible. Look at it. You will hear of what? Wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still yet to come. Now keep going. It's going to get more specific. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. See, right now in Syria, it is two Muslim factions fighting against each other. Two different groups of Muslims are fighting kingdom against kingdom. The same thing in Egypt. Uh, two Muslim factions fighting against each other. You see this right now around the world. Wars and rumors of wars. And then you hear about what? If we go into Syria, Russia's going to meet us there, right? They're talking big talk right now. They're saying, we're going to stop you from going there. You never know when it can pop off. I, I've studied World War II. That's kind of one of my passions, you know. World War II, before you knew it, everybody was involved in a conflict. And the Bible says the last major conflict, he's coming back. So get ready. Somebody say, get ready. Now look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction to the introduction. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. That wasn't even what I came to preach. Okay, open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 3. The whole series this month is preach. And like always, I've got daily devotions tracking with these sermons. Lifechangingdevotions.com. Check it out. Get a daily devotion every single day about evangelism. Does anybody want to learn about evangelism? Overcoming your fears, being bold, sharing the gospel with your friends? Learn about it this month as I preach every week and give you a free devotional every day. Sent to your email or to Facebook. Look it up on Facebook. We have a page, Life Changing Devotions. Mark chapter 3 is our text for the whole series as well as the notes online. You can get them because we like to make sure you have them as well. If you're there, Mark 3.14, somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. He appointed 12 that he might be with them and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Now, you know those guys are radical if they're driving out demons. I always say this around Halloween time. Don't go out there and look at what they're doing, you know, with the demons and haunted houses and uh, on, on all of these horror movies. Come here to church. Bring somebody. We'll cast out some demons. Amen. Find somebody that you think is a little off, a little crazy. Bring them up here. We're going to show it to you. And Jesus always has the power. We don't come like priests, you know, a uh, holy water. No, Jesus, a Holy Ghost-filled believer puts devils on the run. And it's not just for pastors, by the way. We had this happen in our life groups. One of our life group leaders said, hey, we saw somebody start, you know, making noises and like their head was about ready to spin. They were weird. It was out of this world. So we said, loose them in the name of Jesus. And they got set free. They could hear the screams of the demons leaving and the peace of God coming to the person. Well, this is what the Bible said. Amen. I'm not reading to you what somebody said. I'm reading to you what Jesus said. If I was, the, today's title is called to preach. Somebody say called to preach. But if I was to have a subtitle for the younger generation, I would have called this, that's what he said. You know those jokes, that's what he said. So I, I, did, I didn't want to cause some of y'all to stumble because you might have kept looking at the, the secular side of that joke. But I, I, I can still see this as an important thing because everything I show you today about what Jesus said, you've got to remember, this is not what Pastor Joe said. That's what he said. So Pastor Joe didn't say, you guys are going to go out and preach, hand out flyers, and make a church really big so Pastor Joe can have a nice car. That's not what we're learning today. We're learning, he said, go out and preach, cast out demons, because that's what he said. That's what he said. He wants us to do this, every single one of us. Now, I got some definitions as we start this series that I think everybody would be good to know, and they'll be reviewed for a lot of you. But for those who are new, it's going to be foundational. You need to hear it. Okay, the gospel, the Greek word for gospel in the New Testament is evangelion. Everybody say evangelion. Thank you. That is the Greek word, and it simply means good news. Everybody say good news. So we're not going around telling the world, you're going to hell. You're going to burn. We're not going around doing that. That's bad news, right? We're not bringing bad news. We're saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Accept Jesus and he'll change your life. He'll turn your frown upside down. He'll give you a pep in your step. Does anybody here know about the good news? Has anybody here ever been saved? Then you know it's good news, right? So we want to go and share the good news. The good news, Evangelion. Go and preach the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Thus the gospel concerning God, thus the gospel is God's glory. Everybody say God's glory. And somebody say humanity's salvation. 
So think about this. The gospel is God's glory and humanity's salvation coming together. God gets glory out of saving lost human beings. He could have sent us to hell, but the glory wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't have been able to praise him in hell. Like, thank you for sending me to hell, Jesus. That's pretty awesome. No, he gets the glory when he saves us. So now we can be with him for eternity. So God gets glory, and we need salvation. So listen to the in-depth definition. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now everybody turn with me to Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. So it's God's glory, humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in who? Okay, y'all looking up scripture? Can we multitask here? Come on. The grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's who we're putting our faith in. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. If you're there, say I'm there. Thank you. For in the gospel, in the good news, in the evangelion, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. Pistis in the Greek. Trust in who God is. The right standing with God is revealed in the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So how do sinners become saints? How do unrighteous people become righteous? Through the gospel and by having faith in Jesus. For the gospel in it is the righteousness of God. It's revealed a righteousness that's by faith from first to last. Just as it is written. Everybody say it together. One, two, three. The righteous will live by faith. One more time. The righteous live by faith. So the gospel is so important to our living right. We cannot be right without the gospel. If you try to be right in a religious sense, you'll never be good enough. You'll continue to fall. Let's say you're going to pray a certain amount of times a day or you're going to eat a holy diet. Maybe you're not going to eat pork and you're not going to eat shellfish and, and you're going to go to church as often as the doors are open. If you did all of these religious works, you would still be a sinner. There is not one thing in your praying, in your diet, in your going to church that will wash you clean. Only thing that can wash away your sin is the blood of Jesus. That's the good news, and it's by faith. So we don't come to the gospel and go, Jesus, what do I do? How do I perform for you to become right? Uh, going to heaven is not like a tryout, like, hey, whoever wants to go to heaven, try this. Read your Bible, pray. Don't, you know, spit and chew and hang with those who do. That's an old school saying, you know. It's not a tryout. He's saying, all y'all failed. I already tried it with Adam and Eve. I gave him one command. Don't eat this tree. Y'all failed. You couldn't do it. So I'm not giving you no more commands. There's like none of you. You can't. If you couldn't figure out what tree not to eat, how much less are you going to figure out not murdering, not stealing, not lying? You sinners. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Look at your neighbor and say, my pastor keeps it real. So somebody's like, oh, I'm going to be so good at this. No, you're not going to be so good at this. You will lie. Eventually, even if you said right now, I'll never tell a lie, you will eventually lie. If you said, I'll never lust after the opposite sex or the same sex, eventually you're going to give in to it and do it. If you said, I'm never going to gossip or be bitter, and I'll always forgive my enemies. I'm always going to forgive those guys because they're so awesome. My enemies are so cute. I don't know about you, but I have cute enemies. No, you're not going to, that's not going to come natural. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But guess what? Sinners will go to hell. So we need good news. 
We need a gospel that says, here's how sinners go to heaven. Here's how sinners are made righteous, right before God. Here's where it's revealed in the gospel. And so how do we receive it? Do I stop doing a bunch of bad things and start doing a bunch of good things? No, I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I live by that faith because the righteous live by faith. So how do I stop stealing by trying real hard to stop stealing? I'm going to stop stealing. I'm going to stop lusting. Oh, I'm going to try so hard. No, I start putting my faith in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they're a new creation. I begin to believe that. So I begin to walk like I talk, and I talk like how I walk, and I begin to walk not by sight but by faith. I don't believe what is seen. I believe what is unseen, that I'm a new creation in Christ. And it's not what I did for myself that saved myself. Jesus is not giving me a self-help program to heaven. It's what he did to me. That saves myself because he crucified it and gave me a new self on the cross. That's good news. Now you say, Pastor, well, then aren't we supposed to stop lying and stealing? Yes, but you do that because you're saved. You don't do that to be saved. You can't do enough good and stop doing enough bad to save yourself. Put it to you like this. You don't wash your car and then bring it to a car wash, right? You take your dirty car as it is to the car wash. You have to come to God as you are and say, clean me for your purpose. Why is it today I don't steal like I used to? Because I got born again. God took the thieving out of my heart. He took the lust out of my heart. That's what the Bible means to be saved saved and if you're saying man I've come to church I've prayed prayers but I've never experienced that then you truly haven't been saved because to be saved to be born again means there's a life transformation that you know that you know the power of God is what transforms you so what is the gospel going back to the notes it is the evangelion the good news it is that good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. In this sermon series, we're talking about preaching. We want to bring this message to everybody. Jesus said he appointed 12. He appointed his disciples to be the first students to understand this so that they could go out and share it with others. The reason why today I am preaching the gospel is because someone preached it to me. How did the one that preached it, my mother, know how to preach it to me? Somebody preached it to her. So think of it as a relay race from generation to generation. The disciples have been handing down the gospel to each generation. And now it's your job to take the baton and run. Look at your neighbor and say, carry the baton. Thank you. Now let's look to what a disciple is because it goes hand in hand. The Greek word for disciple is mathetaeus. Everybody say mathetaeus. Thank you. And it means a student or a pupil, a student or a pupil. And in regards to Jesus, a disciple is a committed follower and student of Jesus's teachings. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. So what is a disciple? A disciple is a student or a pupil. Y'all just, that's okay. I'm going to help you out today. A disciple is a student or a pupil. Okay. So in regards to Jesus Christ, we're students of his teachings. We have to study the teachings of Jesus and become experts in them. 
We have to take Jesus' teaching seriously. Every person is called to be a disciple. Look at the scripture and tell me if you can read it differently than the way I have seen it because I think it's so clear that there really isn't any other way to understand this. Look at what Jesus said, starting in verse 18. He said to them, now who's the people Jesus is speaking to here? Disciples. Remember those guys he said at the beginning we read about in Mark? He said, guys, I'm appointing you to go out and preach and cast out demons. At the end of Jesus' life, he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples. Hence the term disciples making disciples. He said to the disciples, now you all get out and do your thing. All authority and power is mine. So you don't have any excuses. Well, I've tried to make a disciple, Jesus, but the devil keeps beating me up. Jesus says, no, I got more authority than the devil. Uh, than the devil. Uh, Jesus, I've tried to go into this country and preach the gospel, but there's a false religion there, and they don't want to listen. Jesus says, I have more authority and power than that false religion. Go into that nation. That's why he said this to us. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever seen baptisms before? That's biblical. Now watch this. And teaching them to obey just the easy things I've commanded you. So when you go out into the world, Peter, don't tell anybody about dying to themselves. Don't tell anybody about waiting to have sex before marriage because, you know, the generation is going to come where they would rather shack up than to get married. Don't teach those hard things. Just teach easy, easy things like don't hurt children, don't kill nobody. Is that what he said? He said teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So you know what we do? We See, in, in chapter 28, that's the end of, of Matthew. That's the end of Jesus' life. So we flip back to 27, flip back to 26, 24, 25, you know, going all the way back. And we start highlighting Jesus' teachings. And then we say, hey, I've got to teach these teachings to others. See, it gets quiet when I preach like that. You see, you have got to know his teachings and then teach them to others. So right now, if your excuse is, Pastor, man, I can't tell nobody about what Jesus said because I don't know what he said. Okay, well, we're here to teach you about Jesus. That's where you start there. 101, you get taught about Jesus. So it isn't an excuse why well, I don't know. Well, get to know. Get to know the commands of Jesus Christ. Get to know those things that he expects all of us to do. And then get up off your holy backside and get out into the world and teach the world everything Jesus commanded you. And surely he'll be with you always to the end of the age. I guarantee you he's with you in Walmart. He's going to be with you at the beach. But that's not as encouraging as knowing that he's with you until you start to suffer persecution. And if you've ever been there, like some of us here have, you're maybe preaching in a foreign country and they tell you to stop. Or you're preaching to your family or to your school and they begin to cuss you out. You can take courage that as you're teaching everything Jesus taught you, he is with you. He's with you in the midst of persecution. He is with his church where his word is. Look at your neighbor and say, work that word. Someone, someone, now look at your other neighbor and say, twerk that word. Come on, we ain't going to be Miley Cyrus for the devil. We're going to be disciples for Jesus Christ. Twerk it. Twerk it, baby. Come on, twerk that word. Bring it, bring it to your work and just twerk it. I don't even know what that means, but I'm just saying it and y'all laughing. We'll just move on. Go back to the notes for me, please. We're all called to be disciples. We're all called to be those ones who study his word and then goes out and shares his word. Somebody say preach. 
Amen. Now let me give you the three words that all basically mean the same thing in the Bible. Preach, proclaim, evangelize. The word preach, caruso. Everybody say uh, caruso. Everybody say caruso. Caruso just means to preach. Then the next word, proclaim, diangolo. Everybody say diangolo. That means to proclaim. And evangelize is um, evangelizo. No, no. Evangelizo. Ezo. Say it loud for me. Evangelizo. Everybody say evangelizo. Thank you. Praise God. Caruso, diangolo, evangelizo. No. Oh, thank you, Lord, for humbling me. Evangelizo. This is, my, this is like my Achilles heel. This is the part that you guys mostly don't see, but you're seeing today, and these lights are really hot. Evangelizo. God, help me. Brother Ish, repeat it one more time. Evangelizo. 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 Okay, I'll just leave it at that. God bless the preacher today. Okay, here's the point of these Greek words. My, of all people, my wife is Greek. Are we pronouncing it right, Evangelizo? Can you just come up here for me? I'm not going to give up because you're Greek and I want you to say, say these three words for me. Say these three words if I am just sweating. Keruso, diagelo, evangelizo. 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 Ivan. Oh, God have mercy. So hot right now. Okay. And I'm a professor, by the way. Jesus. Okay. These three words. Everybody say preach. preach. Proclaim. Proclaim. Evangelize. Evangelize. Right. We say them in English pretty good, right? Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. We got that one. We got that. All basically mean the same thing. When you look at the context of these three words, they're actually interchangeable. And I want to show it to you real quick. Go to Acts chapter 8, verse 4. These words are basically interchangeable, all saying the same thing. And as you're going to Acts chapter 8, verse 4, I want you to understand that we need to take back this word preach from the pulpit and give it back to the people. I'm going to say it again for those of you who have a hard time multitasking. Write this down. We need to take the word preach away from the pulpit and give it back to the people. Yes, what I'm doing is preaching, but I'm not the only one called to preach. You are called to preach. You are called to proclaim. You are called to evangelize. And evangelize, evangelion, because I can say that word, the word in there, evangel, evangel, is good news. So you're sharing that good news with others. That's what it means. It is a command for all of us. Are you with me in Acts 8, verse 4? Say, I'm there. Amen. Look at how they're interchangeable. Look at this. Philip went down. Well, let's just go up to verse, yeah, starting verse 4. Those who had been scattered, everybody say preached. Preached the word wherever they went. See, the church began to get persecuted, so they got scattered. But they began to do what where they went? They preached. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. And there you see the word evangelizo. 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 Like nobody cares anymore. Like we're over that now, Pastor. Evangelizo. I am the champion of this word. Evangelizo. Thank you, Jesus. They were scattered and they began to evangelizo the word wherever they went. Now watch next verse. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed 
the Angelo, the Messiah there. So here you see the word evangelizo, evangelizo, and diangelo, proclaim and evangelize, are interchangeable. Does everybody see it? They preached the word everywhere they went, and then in Samaria he proclaimed the Messiah there. Now why am I saying this to you? Because sometimes people say, well, pastor, this is not our job. It's your job to preach. You're the Apostle Paul. We're the church of Metro Praise in Chicago, or like it was for him in Colossae. And, and here, you're preaching to us. We receive it, and we just let you do all the legwork and all the hard work, because that's what we pay you for, right? But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible simply teaches evangelize, preach, and proclaim is the duty of every Christian and everywhere they go. Everyone is to preach, and everyone is to do it everywhere. We're not just supposed to do it in church with one person. We're supposed to do it on our jobs. We're supposed to do it in our communities with our neighbors. Please go back to the notes. And I want you to see this, that in every place these words are used, he is speaking to a plurality of disciples, a plurality. Everybody say plurality. He's not just saying, you guys, and only you. No, he says, all of you go and do these things. Now, brother, would you get that video queued up? I want to play for you a precious, precious video that's very dear to my heart. Two beautiful sisters in Iran who got arrested for preaching the gospel. And, brother, would you uh, shut off the lights and, and dim them down? I'll, I'll get the movie ready while you guys do that. This is on Mike Huckabee's show. You know, think whatever you want about Fox News or, or, or Mike. I happen to like him. But the most important thing I want you to get out of this is that these two sisters were not pastors. They were not apostles. They were just ordinary women, just like normal women in here today, or ordinary Christians, just like you and I. And yet they preached the gospel, and they got arrested and sentenced to death for their faith. I want you to listen to this and be inspired because all of us can do it. And today, we live in a country where we're free to preach the gospel, where we actually have laws that protect us. And so we shouldn't be ashamed, and we should be encouraged by them. Uh, brothers, would you please uh, play that for me? Thank you. The headlines focus on the growing violence between the new Egyptian government and the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. But the mainstream media is not really talking about the persecution of Christians in the country. The Muslim Brotherhood has touched near a torch nearly two dozen Coptic Christian churches in Egypt. And they set fire to a Christian youth center on Friday. Last week, a 10-year-old Christian girl was shot and killed in the street, simply walking home from Bible class. My next guests know all too well what it's like being a persecuted Christian in a predominantly Muslim country. Uh, they're both born to Muslim families but converted to Christianity. They were both arrested in 2009 and jailed in Tehran's notorious Evan prison. They were sentenced to death. That's after witnessing the horrors of the prison. They were finally freed after continued international pressure and given asylum in the U.S. Their story is told in the remarkable and compelling book, Captive in Iran. Joining me are Mariam Rostampour and Marzia Amiri Zada, and it's so nice to have both of you here. When I think of the fact both of you were jailed and given death sentences, that you were even here is nothing short of a miracle. Why were you put in prison? And Marzia, I'll, I'll let you start. Why, why were you put in prison and given a death sentence? 
Uh, well, uh, you know, we had a, a mission in Iran, uh, and uh, we were uh, distributing uh, 20,000 New Testaments in uh, Tehran and a few other cities. Also, we were evangelizing Iranian people every day whenever we went for shopping, eating at restaurants, or doing our chores. We were talking to people and handing them a Bible as a gift. Because as you know, in Iran, there is just a false and distorted version of Bible, and people, uh, they don't have any access to the real Bible. That's why we had this passion in our hearts to uh, put the real Bible in people's hands. And also we had uh, two house churches, one uh, was for prostitutes and the other one uh, was uh, for young people in our own apartment. As you know, all these activities are illegal in Iran because no one is allowed to promote any religion except Islam. And some people had reported about us and uh, the Iranian government had found about our activities and they arrested us in 2009. You must have been totally frightened. I mean, you're arrested. And it's not like you've murdered anyone. You haven't committed any act of violence. You've given out Bibles. And for that, you're given a death sentence? Yes. Actually, the first day we were so afraid because we are two human beings. And it, it was like a big shock for us. And uh, when they transferred us to the security police and they uh, threatened us to physical torture, we were so scared and we just prayed for each other. The only thing that uh, helped us survive that situation was uh, the presence of Holy Spirit with us. If you had renounced your Christian faith and said you apologize, would the death sentence have been removed from you? Yes, and sometimes they told us that even you can write one sentence that you convert from Christianity to Islam and uh, we will release you immediately. But you didn't do that. Under the sheer knowledge that you would be put to death, you did not renounce your Christian faith. Why not? Yes, because I... You know, uh, we uh, both had many experience uh, with Jesus, uh, and uh, uh, we are not just uh, converted uh, to Christian religion. And uh, we are both in love with Jesus. We had seen many miracles. Uh, we uh, meet him, we touch his love. And because of all our personal uh, relationship with him, we couldn't uh, deny our, um, we couldn't deny Jesus because denying him, it was like denying uh, ourselves. And also, Jesus in Bible says, uh, if you wish to follow me, you must pick up your own cross and follow me. And as a follower of Jesus, it was very important for us to pass through this test uh, with victory. And also, it was an honor for us to suffer for our faith. You know, I think of all the American Christians I know that at the uh, least little bit of trouble, someone just says something that is unpleasant to them. They all but renounce Jesus. You guys are willing to die and you're not going to renounce him. And it's such a, a I think, a powerful wake-up call to those of us who live with this illusion that everybody in the world can go ahead and worship like they want to. The Koran is given to people in your country of Iran, but they can't read it because they speak Farsi and they're given an Arabic Bible. So there's a wide opening, isn't there, for yes, the exactly. Christian faith? And we had this problem from our childhood because we couldn't uh, read the Koran. It was in Arabic, as you said, our language is Farsi. And most people in Iran uh, do not uh, know anything about Islam or the Quran because it's in Arabic. And uh, they are tired of the wrong rules of Islam and they are so thirsty to hear about Christianity and the message of Jesus because his message is about grace and love, which is completely different from the teachings of the Quran. There was a lot of pressure from the international community to help you. Do you feel God just intervene in, in your lives to get you out so that 
as you come to the U.S. for asylum, you can get this message out and, and tell people of your experience and, and the opportunities that are there. Yes, because of all uh, this international uh, pressure on in Iranian government, they had to release us. And also many Christians, uh, they were supporting us either by praying and sending letters to uh, prison, which made a huge difference and their behaviors completely changed. And also we heard that uh, even a Pope from Vatican sent the letters to Iranian government. And all because of all these activities and pressure, the Iranian government had to release us. Well, I hope people will get the book and read it. It's, it's just a remarkable story. I want to say what you have done to encourage me and challenge me when I think about the two of you being placed under a death sentence in an Iranian prison and you still would not renounce your faith. It really does bring, I think, a real conviction to all of us who have it awfully easy. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for these uh, precious sisters. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I watch that video, I am provoked to want to do something for God. I am spurred on. You know, I have been persecuted for sharing my faith. I'm sure you have too. Many of you, just to be Christians, to come to this church, maybe you suffer persecution. And we don't want to make light of that. But my friends, none of us have been arrested yet. None of us have been tortured. None of us here have been given the threat of death. So how much more so should we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Unashamed to tell people about Jesus. And I want you to also to notice what they were doing. It wasn't profound. It wasn't something that you would have to go to Bible college to do. They were just handing out Bibles. Uh, Brother Berto, would you go in the back and get those New Testament Bibles that we have to hand out? They were just handing out Bibles. And grab some of the tracts we have as well, please. They were handing out these Bibles. And then it says wherever they went to their restaurant, to the marketplace, they were telling people about Jesus. Just take a moment to ask yourself this question. When was the last time I told a stranger about Jesus? When was the last time you told somebody you did not know personally about Jesus? Thank you. The white ones, we don't give out these, we can, but uh, grab the white ones that we give out. This is a Bible right here. If you want to give it out, you can. Uh, but I want to show you what we give out. There's an organization that's given us almost 10,000 of these to give out to people. And so ask yourself, when was the last time I led somebody to the Lord? When was the last time I led somebody to the Lord? Do you know that most people in your life that you don't know would be receptive to hearing the gospel? They did a survey on how many people who have not been yet preached to, these are unreached people in America, would be open to someone talking to them. And you know what? Majority, the majority, most people want to hear the gospel message. You can take as many of these as you want. And Berto, put, uh, we have uh, in the boxes out there. Bring them to the front because I want boxes of these all this month out there. This is a New Testament gospel of John. And there's highlights here that somebody makes you know about what it's saying and you can kind of follow along if you don't know the Bible well uh, you know this is something that even you may be blessed by and then all throughout it are stories and testimonies and you know ways of, of getting through life by trusting God's word we have these here and then here is an invitation to church and then on the back is a gospel track right and it says have you been born again as a matter of fact, let's give everybody one of these. I want everybody to see one of these quickly. Ushers, help me. And think about this. All they were doing was saying, would you like one of these? Would you like one? There, we'll play along. We're doing a little skit here. Would you like one? You like it a lot? Yes, I like it. 
Would you like one? Would you like one of these too? There you go. Let's give it up for my man right here. Thank you. you Got to give it back. Can we do that? Can we talk to our waitresses like that? Man, I got so many testimonies about waitresses and, and hair, uh, people that cut my hair. Because you know what? They're a captive audience. And you don't have to be rude about it. Just the other day, we were, uh, to, me and a pastor friend of mine, we were at Applebee's. And we were there hanging out, talking. And the waitress came over. And we said, hey, we're about ready to pray. Can we pray for you with any need that you would have? So, so understand this. We're praying before our meal. And we asked the waitress, before we pray, is there anything I can pray with you about? And she goes to this whole story and she talks about her boyfriends in jail and they've had problems and it's really hard for her. okay so we pray for her long story short I go back there two days ago she runs up to our table she's not even the waitress that we have she runs up to our table she says I'm so glad you prayed for me God did this in my boyfriend's life and I know that was because of your prayers can you guys pray for me again praise God come on let's give Jesus a hand clap amen Jesus, and give everybody one of these books too, please. Give everybody a book and a, uh, um, a Bible and, and a track. I want you to have this in your hand even as I continue to preach here as a sense of motivation, something to inspire you. Now, I can, I can understand that right now some of you may have concerns, and they're legitimate concerns like, Joe, you know, how can I preach on my job if I'm paid there to do a job? Can we just give one to everybody, please? Well, the way you would do evangelism on your job would be respectful to your job. The best thing you can do on your job is a good job for Jesus, right? Amen. We learned that in the conference. The, the, the gospel on the job is you doing the best job you can. But can you communicate about the movie you watched last night at a break? You know, when you guys are on break on your job, do people ever talk about movies? How about that? Here's a good question because I know a lot of you are distracted. Does anybody have breaks on their job? Does anybody talk while they're on their breaks? Okay. During those times of them talking about movies, sports, and everybody's so excited about the Bears playing again, and they won, and all of this, all you have to do is go, boom, here's the Bible. Let me just talk about this for a minute. That's all you have to do. And if you become a weirdy, it's better to be a weirdy and have obeyed Christ than to allow people to go to hell without Jesus. Wouldn't you rather be known as a disciple than as a lukewarm Christian? I would rather people say about you behind the back, oh, man, don't talk to them on break. They're going to preach to you. I would rather have them say that than Jesus say about you in heaven. This one's about ready to get spit out my mouth because they're lukewarm. It's a command. Now, how about this? Some of you are saying, well, pastor... I'm shy. I don't necessarily know how to share our, uh, the gospel. Well, that's why you come to church to be trained. You come here so that you can learn how to share your faith. Now, here's the example I want everybody to think about as you're getting these in your hand. Because I want everybody to have one of these. Let me ask you this, and think about this as an example with me. If right here was the steps to follow to be cured of AIDS, legitimately. We're not, playing, we're not talking about make-believe. Let's say you had the book of how to be cured from AIDS. Let's say it was a home remedy that somebody discovered. If you mix lemon juice with this and this, then you can be healed of AIDS. Would you share that with somebody that had AIDS? Would you give it to them? Would you go out of your way to give it to them? Here's another example. What if this right here was a surefire way to make a million dollars in our economy. So everybody here would be a millionaire. We would walk out of here and we would have a hundred million dollars. Hundred of us all could make a million dollars. This was a way to prosper people to have money. 
Would you go and give it to poor people or those who needed a million dollars? Would you? Don't look at me like you don't understand the example. I know you do. Everyone look up at me. If you had a cure to somebody's disease or if you had a way to give people money, would you not do it? Here's the last example. If you knew of a five-star restaurant that always gave away its food, it always gave food to the hungry, and not just in a charity sense. I'm talking like, like filet mignon, lobster, and they love to give it away. They love to give it away. Would you give it to hungry people? Would you give this book to hungry people? Yes. Is there a disease in people's life right now called sin? And if they don't repent of that sin and have their life changed, they go to hell, do they not? Is there not a poverty inside of people's soul right now that they are poor in their heart? They don't have the riches, the riches of Christ. They don't have joy and abundance. They don't have peace and abundance. They are impoverished in their soul. They are suffering under the tax massacre of the devil. Should we not give them the prosperity of the gospel? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Shouldn't we bring the gospel to those who are poor in their spirit? And the Bible says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And Isaiah, he says, why spend your money on food and drink that don't satisfy? Come eat and drink of me, he says, and have life everlasting. Shouldn't we give the bread of life, living water, to hungry and thirsty souls? So whether people have the disease of sin or whether they're lacking the spiritual joys and blessings of God or whether they're starving on the inside, Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Shouldn't we be going around the world saying, come to Jesus? And the inspiration as you're holding it in your hand, come on, just hold them in your hand right now and wave them in the air like you just care. Amen? Thank you. Now just look at it right here. This right here can make a difference in somebody's life. What you're holding right here can make a difference in somebody's life. Would you go back to the notes, please? I want to give you the message now. That was the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the introduction. Okay, now we're getting to the message, so be patient with me, okay? Here's the four points that I want you to have before we leave out of here. Number one, everyone is commanded to be a born-again disciple of Jesus. There is no excuse. If you want to go to heaven, you have to be born again. If you want to please God, you have to be a disciple. There's no other way. That's number one. Number two, all disciples are called to preach, proclaim, evangelize the gospel, the good news, and make new disciples. We're all commanded to do that. Number three, the job of elders and deacons gifted with the fivefold ministry is to train all disciples to do the work of the ministry and preaching the word of God. That means I am different than you because my nine to five job is to study this, to equip you with this so you can go out and do it. That's the one difference. I have to preach, you have to preach. But what I have to do is equip you with the materials, equip you with the training, help you be trained and overcome your fears, overcome questions and doubts that people may have and bring to you. So my job is to equip, but we're all to preach. Does everybody understand that? And then lastly, being a public witness for Jesus Christ to strangers is a command for all disciples. Some might say, well, pastor, I'm just talking to my children. I'm just talking to my friends. Well, that's awesome. You're supposed to do that. But you're not only supposed to talk to people you know. You're supposed to talk to people you don't know. 
That's what these women in Iran were doing. They could have kept the gospel all to themselves. Think about that now as we think of their example. They could have said, well, I'm going to heaven. I don't want to get persecuted, so I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. I'm just going to keep this little gospel light to, my, to myself. I'm just going to keep it to myself. They could have did that, but no, they didn't. What did they do? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light, can we all do this right now? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. We ain't even done yet. One more time. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let One more verse. I'm not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Give Jesus a hand clap. You're like, oh, that's for kids. Well, you ain't doing it yet. I'll stop stinging it when you start doing it. How about that? How about when every one of you come back next week and say, Pastor, we preach the word. We'll stop singing Sunday school songs. Amen? But until then, we will sing Sunday school songs. We will understand this is the ABCs of Christianity. As a matter of fact, praise God for these women because these women's faith is transforming Iran and Egypt and Afghanistan. The gospel is growing in India and China because people won't hold it in. Jesus said, let your light shine before all men. Be a light on a hill, on a city top, so everyone can see you. He said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. It's our job. Look at your neighbor and say, it's your job. Amen. Let's go through these points quickly. It's everyone's command. Everyone is commanded to be born again and a disciple. Turn with me to John 8, 31. Quickly, I'm just going to read four scriptures and then we'll close out today. John 8, 31, everyone is called to do this. John 8, verse 31 talks about you have a choice to make whether or not you want to be a disciple. And it's either he's the Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. You can't come to Jesus like pawn stars and make a deal with them. Hey, Jesus, I got my life here and you got the kingdom of God. Hey, I'll give it half. I'll give you half my life for that kingdom. And Jesus goes, well, okay, well, then I'll take off the, the angels, you know, coming by your house and mowing your lawn. You're going to have to mow your own lawn in heaven. Okay, Jesus, well, I'll give you half my life. You give me heaven without the angels mowing my lawn. No, it's either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You're either a disciple or you're not. Look at what he said to these Jews. Look at verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him. Do I have any Chicagoans who believe in him this morning? Come on. Do I have any believers? Amen. This is what he says to you, believers. He's not talking to Satanists. He's not talking to people of other religions. He's talking to people who say, I believe you. I believe what you're saying. This is what he says. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you, you believe, but now you got to be a disciple. How do you become a disciple? You hold on to Jesus' teachings. One of his teachings is to know his teachings and go share his teachings. You might say, well, sometimes I fail at his teachings. Guess what? There's a teaching about how to repent for not following the teachings so you can get back up and keep following the teachings. Well, what if I don't know the teachings? There's a teaching to be taught the teachings so that you can learn the teachings so you can go out and live the teaching. There's a teaching that encompasses everything. 
So hold on to his teaching. Hold on to the teaching of repentance when you sin. Hold on to the teaching of discipleship when you feel like giving up on Christ. Stick with it. God will change you and do things in you. Hold on to the teaching of studying because you don't always remember everything. I couldn't even say a Greek word today and I'm the preacher, but I keep studying because there's a teaching that says keep studying to show yourself approved. A workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling, handling the word of truth. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Open up the next uh, uh, scripture with me to Luke 9, 60. All disciples are called to make other disciples and to preach. Now, if I was to think of any uh, example of when we weren't supposed to preach the gospel, you know what I would say? It's probably a funeral. Because if somebody dies, you can't go preach the gospel. You've got to go to that funeral. I would say that's probably one of the biz, bi biggest examples of when we shouldn't go preach. But look at what happened with Jesus and this man. Uh, go up to the verse prior to that, please. Let's look around. Uh, there we go. Verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. That sounds like a pretty legit reason to not go preaching right now, right? Like, Jesus, I can't preach. I got to go to a funeral. He didn't say, Jesus, I can't preach. I got to go to showgirls. Hello? He didn't say, Jesus, I can't preach right now. I got to go make some money. No, he said, I've got to go to a funeral. Now, you think Jesus would have been like, Dito, I understand. It's okay. You'll preach another time. Look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus said, this is not Barney Jesus. This is not handsome, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus whisking away like Fabio. This is Jesus, the real Jesus, right? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach, proclaim, evangelize the kingdom of God. Hello, somebody. That's what he said. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. See, that would be a good title right about now, wouldn't it? That's what he said. He said, go preach. Well, I got to go to school, and nobody likes to hear about Jesus at school. Let the, let the people at school do their schoolwork, but you talk about Jesus. Well, I got to go to work. Well, let them work. You talk about Jesus. And it's not an either or. We do both. But let us always be focused on our message. The message of Christianity is what will change the world. It's not our jobs. It's not our uh, just cute lawns or vacations. It is the truth of Jesus Christ. And once again, I want to say this before I move on. On your job, you will, you will pray, and God, you'll pray, and God will give you the sensitivity of how to do it. He'll share with you, do it on your, break, uh, your breaks. But then so, someone else, he may say, don't even do it on your breaks because it will be annoying to your, your, your employees. They won't like it. So you know what? You take them out to lunch. Others, may, God may say, well, have them over to your house. God will give you creative ways to do it. But you're not only to witness on your job. You're also to go out witnessing in the parks and in the streets and in the community. We as a church offer you this all the time. We just didn't adopt a block on the west side. So if you like it in the ghetto, baby, we got it going on. We just did it in the humble park. If way, pa, you like being with the Puerto Ricans, we got it going on. Every now and then we go to Belmont and Clark, Sashay, we got it going on. I'm in love with a man, and his name is Jesus. Hey, that's what I, y'all look at me crazy, okay? That's what I do. Ain't nothing wrong with being in love with a man. I love Jesus. Belmont and Clark, where do you want to go? You want to help unwed mothers, giving abortion, uh, going to the abortion clinic? Go with Pastor Jared. You want to stand out here on Wednesdays as we meet families coming by? They had almost 80 people here last Wednesday as we shared meals together, played games with the children, and preached the gospel. Give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, somebody. Number three, it's our job to train you up. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Band, would you come, please? I got to get you out so you can preach. Amen. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I have a job, and I'm not trying to put my job off on you. You know, if I showed up today to a restaurant, they're like, hey, you got to come cook because everybody here cooks. That would be a little weird, right? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, pastor, don't you have a job? I mean, if we all start preaching, what do you do? I'm going to reiterate this. My job is right here is to equip you. So we get together here as a family once a week. I pour out the word, the scripture to you. It takes hours to prepare this and a lifetime of studying that brings it to your life to make it relevant. And hopefully you're, you're appreciative of that. Amen? So that's my job. But in the midst of my job, it's to empower you to do what Christ commanded you. Because you're going to be judged by this. One day, Jesus is going to say to you, Tony, he's going to say to you, Stephanie, Christina, Carmen, he's going to say, what did you do with the message I gave you? What did you do, Tito? What did you do, Lula? What did you do, Joselito, Adam and Alec, Chris, Pastor Chris? What did you do with the word I gave you? Look at this passage, please, Ephesians 4.11. So Christ gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so we're, we have those people here. And we believe that elders are the offices that these people have to have. So if you want to be an apostle and plant churches, you have to show yourself to be an a, a elder. If you want to be a, a teacher or a leader here, you have to be an elder or a deacon. And these are the gifts that you'll have. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now watch. What is their job? To equip his people for works of sitting on the church on Sunday and amening. Is that what it says? It's my job. Everybody, come on, clap, clap, clap. Y'all love Jesus. Yeah, say I love Jesus. Oh, when I say Jesus, y'all say Christ. Jesus. Woo, that's me, just the cheerleader up here. Woo, here I am. Just a little choir guy up here. You know, hey, y'all like it when I preach like that. Oh, he's so good. What do you talk about? I don't know, but he preached good. He made me laugh. No, my job is to prepare you to have a job. My job is to get you to do your job. To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's my job, saints, to help you reach your community, to help you reach your friends, your neighbors, to help to reach the, the people in your life. We have to do it. We need to build the body of Christ. If Jesus was to come back today, think about this. If he was to come back today, how many of the strangers, the community that we live in, the jobs, the people around us, how many of them would not be going to heaven with us? How many of them would be lost forever? We should be moved with compassion for them. That's what moved those two young ladies in Iran, is that they wanted to see others come to Jesus. Oh, they said they felt Jesus' love. If you heard in their message, you're like, oh, we're just not a convert to a religion. We know Jesus is real. We've been touched by his love. Have you been touched by Jesus' love? You've got to give it away. The Bible speaks about this in Proverbs, that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Some of you are going through the toughest times of your life right now, maybe the economy or family, but write this down. Proverbs 11.25 says, if you refresh others, 
You'll be refreshed. If you make time to go to that outreach and you help reach strangers in this community or go with us to the west side or go with us on uh, uh, 5 through 8 on every Saturday to Wicker Park to go reach the party community. If you go out to help others, the abortion clinic, wherever, the high school, they go out to the high schools on Fridays, God says he will refresh you. You get yourself off your own problems. You reach out to others that don't even have hope. At least you have hope. You're going through something. It's tough. It's hard. We get it. But you got hope. But there's people that are hopeless. They don't have hope. I remember one time uh, there was a school shooting right by my house, and I lived on Addison and Milwaukee, and I think that's uh, Steinmetz. Is that Steinmetz right there? Shures, thank you. I was there, at, and they had a school shooting at Shures, and I went out that next day with little, little Bible pamphlets that I made off my computer, and it was like, Jesus loves you, don't look to gangs, Jesus will be your gang, something like that. I just tried to be cool handing them out. One young dude, man, he just threw it down, and he just started cussing at me, just swearing up and down at me. And then as he walked into the middle of the street, I just shouted back, I go, I go, Jesus loves you, man, God is your father, and he wants you to be in a relationship with him. And he just turned around in the middle of the street just for everybody to hear that was getting out of school. I mean, come on, picture this Milwaukee shouting at me, just screamed out, if God really loved me, then why did he give me the family that I have? Why did I go through what I went through? I don't want that, God. And I just thought to myself, man, if I just had two more minutes with this young man, I could let him know that's not God, that's the devil. And Jesus came to set him free from what the devil has done in his life. Salvation not only saves us from ourselves, but saves us from the prince and power of the air, the great enemy of our soul, that deceiver, that old serpent, Satan, that angel of light who deceives. He saves us from him. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it in abundance that you may have a full overcoming joyous life would you stand to your feet in closing with me in the last point today every person is to be a born again disciple and preach the word all disciples are to make new disciples our job as leaders is to help you find your job and lastly being this witness for Christ is a command And look at what it says in Acts 20, verse 20, as we get ready to close out. Just put it up there for me, please. That's not the scripture. Acts 20, verse 20. I want you to see how this message has gotten to you. If you're here today hearing me, it's because we've been following this example. This is Paul. He said, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly and from house to house is there anybody here that wants to teach about Jesus that's helpful to people altar workers would you come please is there anybody here that wants to go from house to house and talk about Jesus in closing I want to give you this last example imagine everyone look up at me please imagine if someone was a doctor and they spent their whole career just finding the cure of cancer and it would cure every cancer out there and they developed a formula and you would have to take it like medicine you would have to drink it and it would cure cancer no matter what kind it was right now imagine if the drug industry came to them 
or came to this doctor and said, you know what? We've tasted this medicine and it works. It's awesome. But it tastes really bitter. It does not taste good. I don't think we're going to sell enough of this. So I want you to keep the, the power of the cure, but make it taste sweeter. Make it taste something like, you know, like a slushy or slurpy cherry flavor. So the doctor spends years trying to perfect the flavor, the flavor to go with this cure, right? All the meanwhile, people are dying. He comes back to the people that asked him to change the flavor. He says, now check this out. I, I figured out a way to make this thing taste like grape cherry. We can have it be all the flavors that you want it to be. But there's one problem. It's not effective anymore. It doesn't cure anybody. I've only found one way to give it, and that is as it tastes this way. So we can have an ineffective cure that tastes like whatever flavor you want, or we have an effective cure that tastes bitter. Now, I want you to think about this. Us preaching the gospel will come with persecution, and it will come with a bitter taste at times because we will suffer giving it to people and sometimes when they taste it they may be offended by it they themselves may say oh I don't, I don't like the way this tastes I have to stop being in this relationship or I have to give up this lifestyle they may not like the taste of it but it's our job to give it so if they come back to us and say I don't want it it tastes nasty and then we say nobody will cure you of cancer no I still don't want it I'll puke if I drink I don't want it that's on them but it's our job to bring it to them so you go to your co-worker and you say here's the good news some co-workers may say oh no that's nasty I don't want it it doesn't taste right it doesn't seem if God loved me he would love me just the way I am but this is the only way you'll be saved this is the only way it will work you have to repent this, this is the only way it's not Jesus plus Buddha plus Muhammad it's Jesus alone this is the only way and some people may say, get out of here. That's nasty. I don't even want to take it. it and I, it's not for me. And I've seen people do that. It will break your heart. I remember I was working in the inner city one time, and this young man was staying in my house, and he had to go to jail and, and, because they had a warrant on him. And I said, bro, you got to go to jail. Serve out that warrant and come back. And so every day while he was in jail, like for 40 days, I am telling you the truth. Every day he called me a pastor. I'm here. I'm loving Jesus. I'm doing good. And then he started evangelizing while he was in jail. He would get people on the phone. He's like, look, come and talk to my pastor. And they would pastor on the phone and be like, pastor, pray for me, man. Need some prayer, pastor. And I would be praying for people in the jail. Well, I knew the day he was supposed to get out. I knew the exact day. So I was ready. I mean, I got a call every day. I was ready to get that call and say, Pastor, I'm here. Pick me up. Never got the call. Days go by. Don't know what happened to him. I'm driving in the neighborhood, and I see him hanging out with his dad. And him and his dad got some beers, some 40s. And I say, man, where have you been? Let's go back to the crib. Come on, man. Let's get back on track. Got to get you back in school. God is blessing you, man. You've done so good. Don't, don't turn back now. And his dad said to him, come on, pastor, come on, preacher. You know we got a party, man. He's just been out a couple days. You know we got to catch up. And literally, I pleaded with him. I don't know what it was. There's just something on the inside of me. I pleaded with him. I said, no, man, come on, today, today, just drop the 40, come on. That night, he went to a friend's house. They were gambling. He lost some money. 
he beat up the person that had won the money. That person came back with a gun and shot him dead right there. I don't know where that young man went. But I know that God was trying to give him the gospel cure. But he just didn't want it at that time. And I thought to myself, I said, what if I didn't let him know? What if I didn't let him know? I would be responsible for that young man. And I think about that waitress that I talked to. And I think about my neighbor and the girl who cuts my hair. And I just wonder, when is there time to meet God? I don't know. When is there time? And who will be that last person to give them the gospel? Who will be that last person? Now you today, friends, as we get ready to close out in prayer, to go into a world that doesn't know Jesus, who's going to tell that waitress? Who's going to tell that co-worker? God brought you there to tell them. Preach. Preach to somebody this week. Amen. Hand out those Bibles. Hand out those tracts. We're not Amway for Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. We care about their souls. Let's pray. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, bless your people. May they live for you today. May we all follow those commands. God, may there not be any excuse that holds us back from preaching your word before you leave out of here today would you think of three people in your life that you haven't shared your faith with that you can and just lift up their names and say God use me come on use me to talk to Steve use me to talk to Michelle come on think of those three names right now we're going to close out in just a moment but we're going to pray for the lost think of those three people now, think of any excuse that you've ever made not to talk to them and ask God to change you into a conqueror. Ask God to remove that excuse. Maybe you haven't talked to them because you're intimidated. Maybe you're shy. Right now, I want you just to begin to say, Jesus, give me boldness. Give me power. Give me authority. Jesus, right now, Right now, we're praying for those that we know that need the gospel. Jesus, and we're praying that you'll change us. Now, lastly, raise up your hands and just say, Lord, set me on fire with the gospel. Let it be like a fire inside my heart that I can't hold it in. For the sake of the world, i got to let it out. Come on, set me on fire, Jesus. Set me on fire. For the sake of the world, like a fire. Sing it out today, saints. Light a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of the world, like a fire. We're going to sing this together before we dismiss. Thank you for your patience today. We're going to go over time for Jesus right now. Sing it out. For the sake of the world, like a Come on, some of you might want to pray for the nations. Pray for Iran. Pray for Egypt. Pray for Syria. Mexico, Latin America. Let's believe God for revival across not only our nation, but the nations of the world. For the sake. Use us, God. Use us. For the sake of the world. So
somebody's hand before you go pray for your neighbor by simply saying Lord bless them and use them as I pray for you Father bless us all as we leave out of this place today may we be faithful to your great commission to tell the world about you bless us this week as we go our separate ways and may souls be saved in Jesus name can everybody say amen and bless him one more time come on Metro praise bless him amen he's worthy can you slap somebody high five and say preach preach these altars are open now if you need prayer to help you preach if you need prayer to live for jesus sick in your body or you need anything today call on the lord with us these altar workers are here god bless you we'll see you next time you're dismissed Light a flame in my soul for 